0: Hi, I'm Deborah Treisman, fiction editor of The New Yorker and host of the New Yorker Fiction Podcast. On the podcast, I ask a great contemporary writer to select a favorite story from the magazine's almost 100-year archive to read and discuss. Together, we delve into the story, exploring its themes, its style, and what makes fiction work. You can listen to authors like Otessa Moshfegh talk about why we write. Story, or attaching a story or creating a story is this inclination that we all have to stop spinning. And you can hear writers like George Saunders discuss the nature of storytelling. On the first read, you accept these things as descriptions and they make you see the scene. But every line is a chance to inflect the reader's mind. You'll discover new favorite authors and read old favorites in new ways. Episodes of the New Yorker Fiction Podcast are released on the first of every month listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts for the first 40 years of my life i had a black thumb my victims included low-maintenance succulents several hothouse orchids and a delicate maidenhair fern none of them survived more than a year under my care and this frustrated me because my parents were incredible gardeners In our backyard, they grew Chinese vegetables and fruit trees alongside rose bushes. Inside our house, my mom tended an assortment of spider plants, cacti, African violets, and other plants. Her ability to cultivate life eluded me. Then, a few years ago, something shifted. My friend Meredith left Seattle by way of a very long road trip, which would last for months. On her way out of town— she asked me to care for two of her plants, a pothos and a monstera. Within a month, the pothos mine died from fungus gnats that infested the soil. But the monstera thrived and doubled in size and height. Last December, my friend returned to the Northwest to collect her belongings from a storage unit and to reclaim her plant. I tended it for nearly a year. And though I was sad to let it go, I wanted her to have it back. Merida surprised me. She broke up the bulb and roots of the mother plant and gave me a section of the plant that I had cared for. We called it our friendship plant. It feels like everyone has developed a relationship with plants lately. Jessica Rubenacker is one of them. The
1: prices, especially for Hoya, they were really hot during the pandemic. You know, people charging like $100 for like a two-leaf cutting. And luckily, I had done a lot of trading the year before.
0: Jessica is the exhibition's director for the Wing Luke Museum in Seattle. She's also a collector of art, of antique globes acquired from around the world, and of vintage Pyrex dishware from the era when she was born. But today, we're talking about only one of her collections that really blossomed during the pandemic.
1: I have a a shirt that says introverted, but willing to discuss plants," And I should have worn it today because it would have been perfect. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I've definitely learned a lot and I'm happy to to share that knowledge.
0: (laughs) This is The Blue Suit, a podcast about the commonplace things that touch our lives and the uncommon people that transform them into something remarkable. I'm Yi Pai. Today, Epiphylum Oxypetaluma, or Night Blooming cereus. What does it mean to live a good life? On the acclaimed podcast, No Small Endeavor, Produced by Great Feeling Studios and PRX, theology professor Lee C. Camp explores this question every week, sitting down with courageous and impassioned people from all walks of life, like Hollywood legend Rob Reiner and New York Times bestselling author Gretchen Rubin. Like our show, the podcast covers intimate stories from the past and future, from conversations on cultural Korean beauty standards with TED Talks daily host, Elise Hu, to discussions on how our religious differences should be treasured with Interfaith America founder, Eboo Patel. Together, they'll figure out what it means to find true happiness and how we can all flourish in our day-to-day life. Don't miss out. Follow No Small Endeavor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's something beautiful about acquiring things from other people through barter and trade. It's a way to participate in the gift economy that circulates not just objects, but their stories. Think about a favorite book that you might pass along to a friend or leave behind in a little free library for a stranger to find.
1: Objects have a social history. So I was going to the post office really regularly, at least once a week on my lunch break. Trading plant clippings was a
0: way for Jessica to grow her collection without spending a lot of money on store-bought plants. But it also became a way for her to acquire some unique specimens.
1: One of the postal workers saw on one of the boxes that I was mailing that it said fragile, you know, live plants or whatever. And she was asking me about that. She's like, oh, I didn't know you could mail plants. And um, so I told her about how I was trading cuttings. And she was like, oh, have you ever heard of the Queen of the Night?
0: The Queen of the Night is known by many names, Tanhua and Night
1: Blooming Sirius. And I said, no. And she said, well, come back tomorrow and I'll bring you some cuttings. And I was so blown away. This person I had just met is offering me cuttings. The night-blooming Sirius is a revered plant in Asian cultures,
0: so special that its blooming creates the occasion for flower viewings. It's even part of the wedding celebration scene in the movie Crazy Rich Asians. But it reminds Jessica of another film.
1: Have you seen the <laughs> the Dennis the Menace movie from like the nineties? In that movie, Mr. Wilson, the neighbor had this plant that he had been waiting for like 20 years to blossom or something and they were having like this showing. Dennis ruins it all by like, I don't know. I think someone was like, there was like a thief in the house. Anyway, ruined the whole viewing because, you know it only lasted for like a minute.
0: The night-blooming Sirius is like that coveted rare plant in Dennis the Menace. It only blooms every few years, for a single night, before its beauty and its perfume expire. Jessica returned to the post office the next day, and the postal worker, whose name is Sue, gifted her some large, generous cuttings.
1: These you can actually, you let them callus over. So you make the cutting, you let it callus over for a couple days so that it won't rot. You could just stick it right in the soil and then it'll root right up.
0: Jessica's night-blooming Sirius did take root, but it didn't adapt to its new environment
1: so well. Because I had it over more towards like the south-facing part of that window in the nook, there was just getting too much sunlight. And so the buds like fell off and I was so sad. But Jessica took note and read up.
0: She responded to what her plant was telling her.
1: So I moved it over to the southeast part of the window, and then that's when it started doing really well.
0: Jessica's plant collection had modest beginnings. So I've always
1: been interested in plants, like always had a plant here or there that I'd pick up at like Trader Joe's or at a plant shop. We probably had like maybe 10 or 15 plants. There
0: was a moment when she was contemplating a new hobby. And that moment coincided with a time when many of Jessica's friends were leaving Seattle for other cities. She was
1: hanging out with her friend Orlando when their conversation turned to plants. We had just repotted our huge aloe, which I think it's like 15 or 20 years old had a bunch of like pups that needed to be pulled out and I was like hey do you want some aloe he was like no I don't need any aloe but I just stumbled upon this really cool looking aloe online and it was like this spiral shaped aloe I was like spiral aloe and then it just got me thinking like there's so many plants out there that I just don't even know about And I was like, I want to get into (laughs) plants. So I got got into plants. Oh yeah, come on, come on over. So, well, let me show you the office first. This is like my um, happy place. So
0: (laughs) this is the- As Jessica gave me a tour of her house, I was greeted with plants at nearly the, every turn. A lot of
1: the, these are aeroids, so the Araceae family, but yeah, they need. A potted philodendron conditions
0: stretches conditions. as tall as dining room I, ceiling. Yeah,
1: and, and you can see it still, it's like starting to hit the ceiling, so I need to re- rethink that whole situation. Staghorn, <laughs> stag-horn
0: ferns like, emerge from out of a kitchen oh, no. wall.
1: Actually, I don't think any of these would be native. Um, And a collection of bulbous
0: and irregularly shaped cacti crowd the window in the dining nook, which has been colonized by a small army of plants in terracotta pots.
1: Yeah, yeah, so that's part of why I became really interested in Hoyas is because um, a lot of them are endemic to the Philippines. In her
0: husband's home office, a wall of Hoya plants with waxy dark green leaves thrives beneath grow lights. ...is
1: on uh, a Zoom call and gets gets lots of questions about this Here
0: and there, the spray of blossoms um, emits a scent that can only I be likened to fancy sunscreen. Jessica's hobby is not for the faint of heart. There are a lot of things to keep alive, including a giant rubber tree that resembles the plant that her grandmother grew yeah, in her home in Chicago. It's a
1: little dusty, <laughs> I need to dust it, but uh, this is a rubber plant, uh, ficus.
0: Plants have to be periodically repotted and transplanted. Their grow lights are set on timers, while humidifiers monitor their needs. In the kitchen window, clippings being grown for propagation get checked regularly. Plants need tending to in the way that relationships require attention.
1: I have to set reminders, so I like keep lists of like different projects, like repotting, leaf cleaning, or propagating things like that. So I'll set it like I'll I'll set aside um, time. Usually it's Saturday mornings where I'll I'll tend to the plants. So I'll go around if if something's looking a little wild, I'll just get get my scissors and then snip snip. From clippings, Jessica breeds
0: specimens from the parent stock. That means she often has infant offshoots to share. Jessica has found an organic network of people who share plants with one another. In fact, the plants that mean the most to her are the ones that have some connection to people she cares about. Plants also make Jessica think of her grandmother, someone she arguably might have inherited her plant passion from.
1: She passed away when I was only nine, but I just have such fond memories of her She loved to garden and had this amazing green thumb. She would grow vegetables that she couldn't find in the grocery store. My family immigrated from the Philippines in the 50s. And so at that time, like, you really couldn't find vegetables, Filipino vegetables. And I remember hearing stories about her smuggling in, like, vegetable seeds when she would come back, like, whenever she would make trips to the Philippines, and then she would grow them in her garden. One of
0: Jessica's prized specimens is a small rubber tree, similar to the massive indoor plant that her grandmother would decorate during the holidays, like an evergreen. It wasn't grown from a clipping from that original plant, but it's so much like her grandmother's tree that it brings back memories for her mother and aunt whenever they see it. Jessica naturally draws connections between place and time. A few years before she started collecting plants, she traveled for the first time with her mother to her grandmother's ancestral home in the Philippines. The house had been demolished to the ground because of termite damage. All that remained were decorative tiles that had been part of the original entryway to the home. Jessica brought an image of that ceramic tile back in her imagination, and with her husband Chris, she recreated the pattern and designed an accent wall in a spare bedroom of their house. The tile pattern that once welcomed guests to her family's ancestral home could now welcome guests to their own home. Jessica pulls together the threads of connection between past and present across geographies to keep a feeling of kinship alive. This is something that I see reflected in how she cultivates a plant clipping that wasn't intended for this environment or climate. (music) Diasporic people aren't native to a place, yet like plants, we adapt and even thrive particularly when
1: we are in community
0: with one another.
1: One of my colleagues um, has had this has <laughs> this heirloom Hoya Carnosa. I think she had said her uncle had had it. It was probably over 50 years old, and she had it in her office window, two of them. And I remember when we closed the museum back in March to two years ago. I remember her saying like, Oh, I just watered my Hoya. Do you think they'll be okay for two weeks? And so she, um, ended up in the hospital for a couple months and, um, yeah, we weren't, we weren't sure she's she was going to make it, but, um, anyway, my, <laughs> my supervisor had remembered that her plants were still at the museum. And so they hadn't been watered in almost like three months. <laughs> And they were blooming like crazy, right? Because um, some plants, when they are under severe stress, will flower. It's like their last-ditch effort to continue on. So, it was beautiful. It was like just so I've never seen so many um, flowers on a uh, Hoya Carnosa. I was like, if I could take care of these plants, if I could get these plants to survive, then then I knew my my coworker would be okay.
0: That same coworker later gifted Jessica with a clipping from the Hoya that she had fought to keep alive. It's these histories of connection that make a plant meaningful. And then some plants are special too because they defy expectation. The evening that the Sirius started to bloom, it was a midsummer night when Jessica had plants.
1: It formed a bud, and I just kept watching it, like I didn't want to miss the big show. So I just kept monitoring it. I texted Sue as soon as I saw the bud because we might have also been going on vacation. Like we were planning to go away for the weekend and I was (laughs) I was like totally ready to cancel the trip. The plant wasn't quite ready so she didn't have
0: to change her plans.
1: When it finally opened it was just really fragrant. It was far more fragrant than I thought it might be. Kind of smelled like maybe gardenia, but it filled, like, the whole room. Like, it could just smell um, this queen of the night. And then in the morning, it was completely closed. It was very magical. Jessica's story about the
0: bloom of her flower made me think about going home 15 years ago to Southern California to visit my dad. The flowering of my parents' cactus coincided with my visit. Together, we went out to the backyard with a flashlight in hand to see something that I'd never seen before. It was magic, but made even more beautiful by being a shared experience with my father.
1: You just learn to pay attention to things, you know, especially not just with the plants in your collection, you start to be more aware of the world around you, of the plants and nature outside your door.
0: It's not uncommon for plant collectors to affectionately refer to their specimens as plant children. I know I indulge in it, even though I have an eight-year-old kid. Together, we pay close attention to our plant offspring. Every morning, my son sprays the air plant given to him by his classmate who goes now to a different school. And with my child, I watch day by day as one of our dormant orchids came back into bloom. Tomo only knew a few words back then. He'd squeeze his eyes shut tight and simply say, open.
1: I've moved on from being this obsessive collector to now wanting to share that love with other people. And hopefully people will also find some comfort or some interest in it too. As we ended
0: our conversation, Jessica handed me a cutting from the Night Blooming series that she had started a few weeks before. I fear that the curse of my black thumb will return and thwart any efforts to grow this gift. I will take comfort in knowing there's a community of plant people close by, friends that will share all they know about potting soil and light, who are as invested as I am in cultivating the care that gives way into that perfect moment of flowering. Check out our show notes to find out more about Jessica and see an incredible video of the Sirius's One Night Bloom. Next week's object is miso. Do you have a special object that you hold close? Share it with us on Instagram. Tag at K-O-W and use the hashtag BlueSuitPod. The Blue Suit is produced by K-O-W in Seattle. Our host, writer, and creator is me, Shin-Yi Pai. Whitney Henry-Lester produced this episode. Jim Gates is our editor. Tomo Nakayama wrote our theme music. Our production team includes Michaela Giannotti, Tio Popescu, Hans Twight, Melissa Takai, and Brendan Sweeney. Special thanks to the Windrose Fund for their financial support. If you like this podcast, KUOW has a lot more great audio for you. Search KUOW in your podcast app and see what piques your interest. Thanks for listening. At SoundSide, we bring you news and conversation rooted in the Pacific Northwest. Hi, I'm Libby Denkman. I think of my job hosting SoundSide as, number one, asking tough questions of powerful people, the questions you, KUOW listeners, want answered. And two, bringing you a daily slice of the fascinating, confounding, and often goofy side of life in Washington State. Join me for SoundSide at noon and 8 p.m. on KUOW or anytime on the SoundSide podcast.